Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. I want to read to you out of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, that's how it's pronounced properly by people who learn English in Australia. How do you guys say Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Habakkuk. But it's Habakkuk in Australian who are in the World Cup and maybe Australia, I don't know if we have their flag, are the favourites for this year's World Cup. They destroyed Peru, absolutely destroyed Peru to get into the World Cup and they are number one favourite to win the World Cup this year if you live in Australia. (laughs) The rest of the world's like, do they even play soccer? Anyway, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 18. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies, For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden image, awake. To a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. I want to speak today on the thought of made-to-order Christianity. Made-to-order Christianity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our lives and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. That's our prayer here today that you'd work a miracle in our lives, that we'd leave church today better than when we came in. Lord, that you would highlight something prophetically that each of us individually need to hear from heaven. Speak into our lives. Give me a prophetic edge. Let it not just be words on another Sunday, but Lord, let it have a prophetic edge to build your church. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, I spent a lot of years uh, in New Zealand. I'm an Australian, but I went to New Zealand to plant a church. We planted a few churches, actually, in New Zealand. And one of the things particular to New Zealand, and I guess to Australia as well, is when you go to a restaurant and you order a chicken dinner, that's exactly what you get. You get a piece of chicken and a side of dinner. That's it. End of story. Chicken dinner. So when I first came to America, I remember my first trip, some people taking me out to a restaurant that, that I was overwhelmed with the power of choice. I got into the restaurant and they're like, what would you like? I said, I'd like a chicken dinner, please. And they said, do you want baked chicken, roast chicken, fried chicken, grilled chicken, blackened chicken, smothered chicken, or chicken fried steak? And I'm like, ah, the grilled chicken. Do you want the white meat or the dark meat? I had never heard of a concept of sun tanning chickens in my life. 
And I said, I don't know, just meat, the, put, put it on the plate. They said, would you want some sides? I ordered some sides, and then I made the mistake of asking for potato. They said, do you want the smashed potato? Do you want the mashed potato? Do you want the boiled potato? Or do you want the fries? I went the easy route. I will just have the fries. Do you want the French fries, the curly fries, the seasoned fries, the smothered fries, the rich fries? The fries! Just take a potato. Fry it. Put it on the side of the dish. It was... It was overwhelming to me. And then they said, would you like a soda? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a Coke. Do you want the cherry Coke, the vanilla Coke, the regular Coke, the diet Coke, the caffeine diet Coke, just the caffeine-free Coke, the Coke with extra caffeine, the regular Coke? Do you want that in a small cup, a medium cup, a large cup, or a four-gallon bucket? It honestly, when I visited America, my goal was to order a meal in a restaurant without being asked any questions. I'd come in. I want the fried chicken with the fries, curly fry, and I'd come in with a big list because of trying to cope with all the choice. That was the goal, get it all in one shot. 1974, Burger King uh, was in competition with McDonald's, and they came up with this slogan, have it your way. And the slogan fitted really well with a pop culture of individuality, people wanting it their way. I think they changed it to be, have it, uh, be your way at one point. But the chorus had these words, have it your way, have it your way, have it your way. Probably the same author as the person that wrote the song, The Map, The Map. Have it your way at Burger King. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Anybody remember that ad? Hands up all the people that remember it. All the people that have never heard that ad. There's quite a few of you. Okay, for them, let's play the ad so they can experience the Have It Your Way ad. Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your broad beef Whopper fresh with everything on topper anyway. Now that's the way to do things, our way. I can see a few of you lip syncing the song. It's stuck in there. Uh, this is not an anti-Burger King moment, actually. We have some, if you're a first-time visitor here or you've visited a few times, we have a whole group of uh, vouchers out there for a drink and an ice cream at Burger King just to help you have it your way. I, I, I want it my way. That, that definitely is uh, a part of our sin nature, to want it to happen my way, our way, my thing, 
me, my, I. You see it in the tantrums of a toddler. You see it in the rebellion of a teenager. And in 1969, it was made famous for all adults in the Frank Sinatra song. Bill, do you know how to sing that line? I did it my way. He was asking earlier before the service for the Van Halen edition, but we'll go with Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Herein lies the clash between God and man. Man wants it his way. But God wants to be Yahweh. That's the collision. Man wants to run on his own agenda. Man wants to run on his own timeline, wants to make decisions according to his own personal desire. He wants uh, it in a framework uh, of his own appointed rules and regulations and has it his way, but God wants to be Yahweh. He wants to be the Lord, our provider. He wants to be the Lord, our peace. He wants to be the Lord, our healer. He wants to be the Lord, our shepherd. He wants to be the Lord that sees a need and provides the need. He wants to be God and he doesn't want to have any other gods but him. He wants to be ever present in our need. He wants to be there and the answer, answer to your prayer. At the end of 1 John chapter 5, John wrote this. He said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, in 2022, we probably don't have a lot of uh, idols on the shelf. We may have an elf on the shelf because it's Christmas, but we don't have a lot of idols on the shelf. I'm not sure like on-shelf idols are our really big problem, but I I do think our challenge is our in-self idols where we make ourselves the center of our own destiny and we become our own God. Pretty much an idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. An idol is anything you seek to give you what only God can really Give you an idol is anything that's so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, you would wonder whether life was worth living at all. In Exodus chapter 20, God gave us a list of 10 idol eliminators. Now, I know that we would refer to them generally as the 10 commandments. Take note of that commandments, not suggestions. But each of these commandments that God gave Moses really target the elimination of formalizing an idol in our life. The first one is pretty easy. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, don't put anything else in first place. You've got to make sure that God is number one. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, bring the first fruits of your uh, increase into God's house. So there'll be food in God's house. He said, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. He said, "I, I want to be God and I want you to take all other gods out. I want you to put me as number one in your life. 
Second commandment, he says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. If you can design it and you can make it, then in essence, you're God. Because we didn't invent God, God invented us. The God we worship didn't come out of our imagination. We came out of the imagination of God. God dreamed us, then spoke us, created us, and here we are. We are a result of the imagination and the thought of God. So as soon as you can create an idol and you can make an idol, all of a sudden you're in control. You become God. And so God says that I don't want you to make any graven images. Why? Because they have no power. Third says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Don't get to the place where you worship yourself so much that you think it's okay for you to discredit God by how you talk about God. Don't put yourself in number one place. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In other words... Don't make your hobbies, don't make your sport, don't make your relaxing agenda more important to you than keeping a day holy for God. We give God Sunday morning and there's a tendency in the kingdom community right now to show up at church whenever we feel like it. If we've got some leftover time, give God the leftover time. There's so many other priorities coming up on a Sunday and we're busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday is usually recreation. Sunday's busy too and so we will show up when we've got the time to show up and God's like, no, you've got to set some time aside for me and you've got to make that holy. You've got to set some reserved time to seek my face. He said, honor your father and your mother. Don't make rebellion a God. Thou shalt not kill. Don't let anger or revenge become a God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't make sex or the satisfaction of your flesh a God. Ephesians 5 says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So the Bible puts idolatry and sexuality when you are being immoral and adultery in the God category. Thou shalt not steal. In other words, don't make possessions a God. Don't be in a place where you just want to rip some things off, get it for free because you feel like you deserve it. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't make a lie your God. It's easy to prop a lie up. We know it's not true, but we try to make it truth and we make it a God and we worship the lie rather than the creator. Our society is in danger of that right now. And you can tell when somebody's made their lie a truth and a God. Because if you speak against it, they demonize you because you've touched their God. You shall not covet. Don't make other people's lifestyles a God. So easy now on Instagram to look at somebody else's lifestyle and, and how they're living and the holidays they look like they're having. 
And Instagram is full of influencers who've made a reputation of being a lot bigger and larger than they really were and a whole heap of other people looking at them saying, I want to be just like that. And you start coveting and desiring somebody else's lifestyle. But God tells us here really clearly, don't make someone's lifestyle a God. Don't make riches a God. Don't make mammon a God. Don't make things a God. Don't covet what somebody else has got. But here's what's crazy. While God was downloading all of that to Moses from the cloud, down on planet Earth, down at the bottom of the mountain, Aaron's down there with the people, and they start questioning, what is Moses doing? They start getting impatient while God is giving them guidelines to successful living. And they're down there like, I don't know if this is right. And they're getting lost in their own importance. And then they turn to him and say to him, we want you to make us a God that we can see. And while God's up there giving Moses instruction about don't make any idol or God in front of God, they're downstairs saying, we want a God that we can see. And they donate richly. They invest generously. It's always amazing to me how people would say, you know, critique a church when it's spending money, but they have no, no restraint on spending money that adds no blessing to their life. I never heard one person quibble about paying for alcohol in a nightclub. Not once. What? We've got to pay to get in? No, people lined up to pay to get in. When it comes to the kingdom of God. God's like, I don't, I don't want you to make money. I don't want you to make money a, a, a God. And so and I, I want you to be able to give it and sacrifice it to me. So here they are on the ground. They're giving gold. They're giving silver. They make some golden calves. And then Aaron pops out and says to them, here are the gods that delivered you out of Egypt. Now, any intelligent thinking person would go, wrong. They weren't with us in Egypt. In Egypt, those things were earrings. They were trinkets. We melted them down and we made ourselves a God right now. That's the intelligent response. The man's desire to have it your way. They're like, we want to see a God. And so they start worshiping God and God nearly takes them out. It is the challenge of a made-to-order God. It says it here in Habakkuk chapter 2. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes a speechless idol. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple Let all the earth keep silence before him. A made-to-order God uh, is convenient because it engages made-to-order truth. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? There's an old Indian fable that talks about four brothers, and they go into discussion that each of them is going to go away and learn a skill. They come back some years later, and the first brother says, well, I, I have a skill. 
And my skill is if you give me a bone of any animal, I have the ability to add flesh to that bone. The second was like, well, I'm similar. If you give me the bone with flesh, then I have the skill of adding skin and adding hair. The third brother's like, well, if you can do that, I can add limbs. The fourth brother's like, well, if you can put all that together, I have the ability to give it life, to help it have life, to live. And so it wasn't long until they got back together and they ended up out in a jungle and it just so happened that they looked for a bone and the first bone that they were able to find was the bone of a lion. And so the first brother got the bone and he put flesh on it. The second brother came and he added skin and hair. The third brother came along and said, now you've done that, I can add limbs. And then the fourth brother made it come alive. The fable goes on to talk about how the lion came to life and then devoured them all and walked off contently back into the jungle. That's the challenge of being the creators of our own truth, is that we can actually develop our own gods and open up the doorway to destructive consequences. I've been in the church long enough to know how many times the church is being criticized for its saying things like, that's going to kill you, that's going to destroy you, that's going to take you out. And then my secular unsafe friends all laughing at me. You're a stupid Christian. What do you know? And then finding out that a lot of those behaviors that now they say these things are wrong. Back in the 60s, 70s. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, sleep around, sleep with whoever you want to, sleep your way to the top. It's all good. It's all about what makes you feel good. And humanity put the what makes me feel good into action, and they disregarded the feelings of other people. And we found out not so long ago that a whole movement called the Me Too movement was a result of that behavior all those years ago. But all those people that went to jail were living out the culture of the day. The church was saying, that's wrong. They're looking at us going, you guys are fools. It happens all the time. And we talk about, you know, when, when they start, we, I think Anna and I were watching something uh, on television the other night, and they're talking about chewing tobacco and how when they started chewing tobacco, now I wasn't around when that began, when they started chewing tobacco, they said all these health benefits come out of chewing tobacco. And then it wasn't long till like, oh, no, it's actually not health benefits. That's going to kill you. I remember when I was a teenager, you were cool if you smoked. Somehow you just found your rite of passage of coolness. If you could smoke a cigarette, I'll never forget my first cigarette. It happened in a lunch break at Preston East High School. Had some friends of mine take me down the back of the field. We were sitting around. They say, do you want to have some, a cigarette? I'm like, yeah, of course, man. That's what I do. I have a cigarette because I'm tough. Yeah. And so I'm smoking a cigarette, and they're just laughing at me because I wasn't breathing it in. I'm just like... They're like, do the drawback, do the drawback, take it in. I'm like, what? <sighs> then I was so dizzy and sick, I had to say to them, you guys go to class, I don't, I'm just going to hang here because I'm cool. And then I'm on the couch. <laughs> and then I developed a two-packet of cigarettes a day habit. And then they started putting on the outside of the packet, this will kill you. Like it wasn't a suggestion, this may, 
you run into a bit of bad luck, just a slight possibility. No, this. And then the warnings over the years got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now on the outside of a packet of cigarettes in Australia, it's not just this will kill you. It shows you how it will kill you. But the whole church is like, oh, you shouldn't smoke. Oh, you stupid Christians. But the lion that they developed ended up eating them. It's interesting, I, I didn't read the article, but Anna did, that there's just an article and some research that comes out now that says smoking marijuana is actually more harmful to you than smoking a regular cigarette. I wasn't that long ago. I remember a lot of my friends were like, hey, man, wow, fire is not really cool. Man. Can't be harmful. It's got to be good for you, bro. You create a line that ends up eating you. It's because there's pleasure in sin for a season. But the wages of sin is always. I'm horrified to think about what we're going to be dealing with 10 years from now, from what our school system and the media is telling our children. What they're allowing children to do without telling their parents. And I know people watching online are grabbing a soundbite of this. It's like, he's a big. No, I, I love people. I love people enough to know that what you're doing is dangerous. It's going to bite you in the face. I'm comforted in my own head to think that all that they preach from their schools about what they allow children to do will stop in a heartbeat a few years from now when those children that rise up and find it's a lie start reversing the decisions and start suing the teachers and suing the doctors and suing the pharmacies and start suing medical agencies. It's going to happen. Because you create the lion, your own God, and it's going to rise up, it's going to eat to you. May to order truth may be politically correct, but it has no power to correct. We, we have this habit of... Uh, Liking to be told what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. And it's just a part of our culture. Now, Australia's not like that. Australia's, we're going to tell you exactly what we're thinking. We are not known for being politically correct, which you may have gathered by now. I remember I was preaching in Florida some years back, and uh, it was in... Uh, Crystal, Crystal River, Florida, and the pastor was all excited. He said, we got this couple in our church, and they, they have a hotel, and we're going to put you up uh, in the hotel from people who own it from our church. They have a hotel, and we want to accommodate you in the hotel. And so oh, that's cool. And I was just there a night or two, and we checked into the hotel. I checked in with the person that was traveling with me, and he and I got into the room, and it was singly the worst hotel room I have ever been in my life. It had hot and cold running water. The only problem was the hot and cold running water was running down the wall. It was the worst hotel. The bed was on an angle. Everything about that, ro that room was terrible. I'm thinking, Pentecostals own this. Are there any Methodists or Anglicans or Catholic? Look, I'll even take a Buddhist. Who, who else is in town? I'm calling Anton LaVey. You got any hotel rooms down here? Just like... It was just bad. I remember, I remember going to church with the, that night with the pastor, and, and the pastor was like, well, how's the hotel room? And I said, well, depends on what you want to hear. Do you want the southern answer, or do you want the down under answer? He goes, what's the difference? I said, the south answer, they're going to tell you exactly what they want you to hear or think you need to hear. Australians, we're going to tell you the truth. He goes, oh, I want the, I want the Australian answer. And I'm like, that is the worst hotel room I've ever stayed at. 
He was very devastated. And I never went back there to preach. He never invited me. I don't know what it was. Maybe I should have told him it was beautiful. But that's what happens with made-to-order truth, is we want to just hear what we want to hear. A made-to-order God engages made-to-order agreement. For it's maker trust in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Made to order, God comes with made to order agreement because your God can't talk back. It has no ability to speak to you, to give you input into your life. And so you can just do what you want to do. We saw that in 1 Kings when they challenged the prophets of Baal and Elijah's like, hey, you guys cut the bull, make your altar call on your gods. And it was clear in 1 Kings, it's like they're, they're calling on God and Mo, uh, Elijah starts to mock them. Is he deaf? Has he got a hearing problem? Maybe, maybe he's gone to the restroom. Is he on a vacation? And the Bible clearly says no one responded, no one heard, nothing happened. So when we create a, a speechless idol, it's not going to respond to us. The great thing about God, our creator, is that he is a communicating, talking God. The very first thing that we see about God in Scripture is in the beginning, God said. In the beginning, God said. In the beginning, God spoke. The first thing that came out of God's mouth were words. He's a communicating God. The Bible says that in these last days, God spoke to us through His Son, through Jesus. He spoke to us through Jesus Christ. And so God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke to the fathers of the Old Testament and these last days has spoken to us through his son. Why? Because God is a communicating God. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll send another comforter. I'll send the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can be in communication with me. You can have dialogue with me. God wants to interact with you because you are important. When you have a speaking God, it can confront you. When you have a speaking God, it can challenge you. When you have a speaking God, he can convict you. So you're doing something wrong and you follow the Holy Spirit, you've got a relationship with God, you know that what you're doing is wrong. No one needs to tell you. You know that you know this is wrong. Why? Because you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But when you're worshiping an idol, it can't convict you back. It just is silent. Made to order, God engages, made to order, control. Woe to him, verse 19, who says to a wooden image, awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? A made to order, God is Numb. I love what Jeremiah said. He said, their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. Your idol can neither do good nor evil. Why? Because it is numb. It has no life in it. It is unable to rise. I love the way the NLT puts it. What sorrow awaits for you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us. To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. A made order God cannot move and will leave you exactly where you are. 
Here's the next thought. A made-to-order God engages made-to-order satisfaction. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it. It's talking about making a wooden image or a carved image, and then you have to coat it with gold on the outside, decorate it on the outside, but you know on the inside there's nothing there. There is nothing inside, but no breath at all. Here's the cool thing about our Creator, is that's how we came into being. He fashioned us out of mud, and then he ruhad into our nostrils and breathed in the spirit. The wooden carved overlaid with gold idol has no life. There is no power. But we serve a God that breathed on us. And anytime God breathes, power happens. He breathed into a lump of clay and it became man. He, these guys are writing letters to their friends. Dear Timothy, trust you're having a great day. And God breathes on the writer and it becomes the living word of God. All scripture is God breathe. Theonustos, God breathe. We have people gathering in an upper room and God, and God breathing on these people and all of a sudden it bursts into the church and the church is not just a group of people that gather on Sundays and sing Kumbaya. The church is a living, breathing part of the plan of God. When God breathed on it, he filled the church with life and you can't stop the church. You can drive it underground, it's going to get bigger. Because God breathed on his church. Anywhere God breathes, life happens. So he speaks to the prophet. He said, see the dead bones? He said, yeah. He said, speak to the dead bones and let breath come on the dead bones. And an army came out of dead bones. Why? Because God breathed on dead bones. You may not feel like much today. You may not feel like you've got a lot. You may be having more challenges that you could care about and thinking, man, how am I ever going to get around this? But I'm here to tell you that if you allow Jehovah, if you allow God, if you allow Elohim, if you allow the Father just to breathe the Holy Spirit, on you. He can fill you with life. And that thing that you're chasing after, stop running after it and run after God and let him fill you with life. Man's propensity to create made-to-order gods engages the possibility with us of made-to-order Christianity. That's the danger. The Bible says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. I love that. But the Lord, but the Lord. What a contrast. You've got speechless idols, dead idols, lifeless idols, idols you've made by your hand, but the Lord. But the Lord, our God, is in his holy temple. Our God is living. Our God is powerful. Our God created life. Our God answers prayer. Our God hears our cry. Our God has a plan for us. Our God is for us, not against us. Our God loves us, so he sent his son. Our God has his future in his hands. Our God brings life to our vision. God speaks, God expects, and God sets boundaries because God cares for us. He's in his holy temple and he says, I want you to be silent. In other words, I want you to stand back in awe and go, you are God. But we have this edge. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. Exodus chapter 20, nearly every book of the Old Testament shows man's propensity to create his own God, his own way. And Paul warned us, we're not that different than anybody else. So if all of history has people creating their own God, what then, if that's in us, if we don't address it, stops us from creating our own Christianity? What stops us from having it our way church or handcrafted Jesus or design of faith where we do it from the comfort of our home? Now, I, I, I like online service to help people who can't get here. And today there's a whole heap of people sick. They're watching online. There's people in El Salvador watching online. I, I, I like that bit that we can still stay connected. But it's also easy that if you can have online church to say, well, why do I need to get up to church? I might as well just lie in bed and have church at home. Just stay in the comfort of my bed. Then you don't have to engage. You don't have to sing. You don't have to do anything. Just lie there and enjoy it all happening for you. If you can do church at home online, then you can let whatever excuse robs you from going and participating with family and just doing it on your home. But there's something beautiful about the family of God. There's something beautiful about us coming here today. There's something beautiful about church where you get to sacrifice and you get to give and you get to serve. And one day you'll stand before God. Every one of us is going to go to God. Whether God takes us up in the rapture or whether we die and the dead in Christ rise first, every one of us will stand before God and he's going to look at our life and he said, I gave you five talents. What did you do with it? And you go, well, I laid in bed and watched it online. It was really comfortable. I put my five talents in the ground. There they are, about with yours. And that didn't play out well in the Bible. We do it from our own home and have online Christianity. Maybe we can launch some new ministries like uh, Instagod or uh, Jehovah Etsy. or the Alpha and the Abibo, or the new version of Yahweh, maybe YouTube Shua, maybe worship a little El Spotify, or maybe we'll just be satisfied to have the Pinterest of peace. In, in other words, made to order Christianity. We, we, we want it our way. Made-to-order Christianity engages made-to-order truth, a church that makes you feel good but leaves you unchallenged, a church that makes your flesh feel good, makes you feel like, well, I'm a Christian, I've done my religious duty, but leaves you exactly where you are, a, a, a church that doesn't challenge you to move on. Made-to-order Christianity engages made-to-order agreement, a church that just preaches what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Pet doctrines that we love and we'd like to hear more of. Uh, things that we, and there's plenty of that online. You can feed your face like crazy. Any person that says to you, well, I'm not being fed, is somebody who's not taking time out to eat. 
Because you can eat on Sunday morning and you can eat Sunday afternoon. You can shove your face full with the Word of God on Sunday night. There, You can do Monday food, Tuesday food, Wednesday. There is so much teaching online to get your pet doctrine. But the church is called to preach the balance of Christ. We don't have a pet doctrine. We here want to preach wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. How can we get you smarter? How can we heal your emotions? How can we minister to your feelings? How can we help you with your desires, wisdom, stature? How can we help you prosper? How can we help you physically? How can we help you in your tangible, physical, dealing with it, working at work world? How can we help you relationally with your wife, with your husband, with your spouse, with your siblings, with your children, with your neighbor, in your work? place and how can we help you grow uh, spiritually we are to be the fullness of Christ and so we try to orchestrate a preaching menu that tags and touches all of those things not on one pet doctrine not getting on a hobby horse and riding it till it's dead but the fullness of Christ and there's going to be times where we miss certain subjects and pick them up the next year but I believe with all my heart that if we want to be like Jesus Our soul needs to grow, our body needs to improve, our spirit man needs to get stronger, and we have to get better relationally. There's just no alternative. Made-to-order Christianity engages made-to-order control. We have church our way. Made-to-order Christianity engages made-to-order satisfaction. They're made-to-order traditions, but not spirit-led challenges. Made to order comfort, but not spirit-determined change. The thing I love about God is no matter how long you walk with Him, He has the ability to just pinpoint areas in your life that's not a strength and go, you really need to change there. And if you're like me, you're like, I've been saved 40 years. And God's like... I don't care. That's an issue you need to deal with that you haven't dealt with. How could I have not dealt with that for 40 years? And he's like, because I've been so busy dealing with all the other mess that was in your life. So the tighter we stay into God and the more we embrace Christian community and we stay on track with him, we worship the creator, not the thing that we've created We open our life to consistent, upward, constant change to be better and better. The Word of God is never designed to pull us down. The Word of God is designed to build us up and make us better. And I believe that's God's desire for your life. He doesn't want to leave you. He'll take you exactly as you come. He'll take you exactly as you you are. If you're here today and you're like, John, I am not right with God. I am a long, long way. Smoking two packets of cigarettes a day? Yeah, it's nothing. I'm on three. I'm smoking cigarettes and marijuana and getting drunk and sleeping around. And you go, where's God with that? I say, well, he doesn't like what you're doing because it's destroying you, but he loves you. He doesn't want your life to be destroyed, but he does love you. And he will take you exactly as you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you as you are. He'll take a broken vessel and he'll put it back together and heal it so there's not even any scar tissue. He wants to breathe life into you where life has been breathing death into you. That's the God that we serve. 
Maybe you're here today and you're like, John, that's me. I'm not right with God and I need a fresh start in my life and relationship with him. It's not a one-off moment. It's a journey of discipleship. It's a journey of growing. But that journey begins with one step. And we usually will pray with people to take the first step and then encourage them to take the next step in their walk with God. So that may be you here today or maybe you're watching online that you're like, that's me. I need a brand new start in my life and relationship with God. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver and there is no breath in it at all. Maybe that's you. I've done it my way and all I've got out of life is death. All that I've got out of life is confusion. All I've got out of life is hurt. All I've got out of life is disappointment. All I've got out of life is sadness. Bible says here, but the Lord, but the Lord. I'm here to tell you today, but the Lord, that God is for you. He's not against you. God loves you. He's not angry at you. God's arms are reached out to you and say, why don't you just come and receive me today? Can you close your eyes right across this auditorium? There may only be one person here today that needs that prayer. No one else may need it. We always ask because the most important question we can ask you is where are you at with God? You may be today the only one online or the only one in the room who feels like they need a brand new start. Then you're a VIP here today. All of heaven stopping just for you to pray a prayer, get your life right with God. We're going to pray a prayer with you and then I'm going to ask you once you've prayed that prayer, to make sure that you visit our Connect desk or let one of our pastors at the front here at the end of service know, hey, that was me, I prayed that prayer. What's my next step? What do I do next to walk out this Christian walk? How, 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 do, I, how do I live for God? How do I get baptized? How, how does somebody disciple me? That's the next step. But it begins with a prayer. And so if that's you today, you say, John, that's me. I'm, I need a fresh start in my life and relationship with him. I'm going to count to three. If that's you today... I want you to lift your hand just, just so I can see it and I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down so God can see your hand and I get you to acknowledge it and put it down and then we're going to pray for you. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Who is like that today? Just lift up your hand. God bless you. I can see your hand. Anybody else like that? You can put it down. God bless you. I see your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else like that today? Lift it really high. Lift it really high so I can see it. Had three or four people raise their hand already. Anybody else? Just lift it real high. Say, John, that's me. I need a fresh start today in my life and relationship with you. Please lead me in that prayer. Anybody else today that you want to pray that prayer? Then let's all pray. If you raised your hand or really wish you would have, make this your prayer. But let's all pray together this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you right now. And I'm asking you. For a, fresh start for a fresh start in my life and relationship with you. Please forgive me for all my past, for doing it my way. Today, I come to you and I'm asking you for a new beginning. Please forgive me for all my past and give me the strength to forgive those who hurt me in my past. Today, make all things new in me and show me your reality in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Father, I pray for all those that prayed that prayer. And I pray, God, that your spirit would rest on them heavenly. Let them take that next step. Let them be bold and courageous to walk out their faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a great round of applause. Will you stand with us right now?